and welcome to Sideload, the technology podcast from Edelman, London. I'm Jermaine Dallas and today we're asking whether news will continue to change in the future and how. Will we one day have the top stories beamed onto our retinas? Who knows? Uh, there is a reason we're talking about this though. Uh, Edelman has partnered with the Reuters Institute uh, to host the launch of the Reuters Institute Digital News Report. Uh, it's an annual report that looks at news consumption globally and it surveys 70,000 people in 36 countries. And there's a lot of talking points around technology. So on this week's show, we're gonna talk around the research and what it means for news reporting and why brands should take notice. Notice. I'm not my own though, I'm joined by a couple of our experts here at Edelman. Joe Sheldon is the Executive Director of Media Strategy. She has led much of the commentary coming out of this report and she's worked at the media coalface herself. She's worked for CNBC, Sky News and The Mail on Sunday among others. And I'm joined by James Mossman, who is an associate director working with our technology specialist. He is the lord of all things social. Well, at least at least one of them at Edelman, anyway. <laughs> and he leads the digital marketing strategy for some of our key clients. So, Joe and James, thank you so much for joining us today. Sure. So, thank I you think uh, I think the the best place to start is just by talking about the research itself so Joe could you just give us a bit of an overview of some of the key takeaways coming out of it? Um, well there was a lot in this year's report but I think the main takeaway for me was how the, the sort of striking nature that um, outside of the US and the UK growth in the use of social media for news seems to be flattening out and really in the last few years that's been the big story you know distributed platform so in most countries growth in social media for news has either stopped or actually seen some really significant um, declines you know in countries like Portugal Italy Austria um, Brazil really significant decline so whether it's market saturation or the way that Facebook changed its algorithms to, um, you know, prioritise friends and family over news, don't quite know. But it's, I think, really interesting. And also, I know we're going to talk about this later, significant that, you know, there's been a rise in messaging apps uh, for news, which for me is the other big takeaway. The change in the algorithm is going to have a big impact, uh, I think. And um, you're absolutely right there, Joe, that by putting the newsfeed back into the you know back into the hands of the individuals instead of the publishers and the brands that are on the platform it's gone kind of gone back to its roots a little bit and also extended its um uh, uh media paid offering and sort of made that much more separate instead of trying to sort of be all things to all men so i think facebook is obviously where nearly two billion people these days spend some time every week on their mobiles or their PCs and we are um, what we're seeing I think is an, again a continuing of the narrowing of mm. what we all see based on what Facebook and the likes of these other the other platforms out there decide that we should see sure so you've talked about social platforms there sort of not much change there but one area where there is a lot of change is the aggregators mm. and that area is growing so we, we're talking about our Apple news here and all that sort of thing so do we care less about the news sources now, as long as it's talking about stories that interest us? I think, um, I, th I think you know, there is some data that suggests that if you access your news through social media, you're not always aware of what brand you're reading. Um, 
but at the same time, if you think about aggregators, they're largely personalised. So actually, it's about people, I think, more than anything, it's about trying to avoid this avalanche of content. You know, you want to maybe make your trusted brand selection uh, and have it served up to you in, in the way that you like. And you said Apple News. I mean, certainly in the UK, it's now used by 18% of iPhone users. 25% in the US and it's been a, a big growth and you know plenty of others like uh, Flipboard and things really seeing a big a big push as well. Is it going to give us a bit of a blinkered view of the world if we are having hyper um, personalised news feeds given to us by the aggregators? Do you know I don't know that it is because I mean when people read printed newspapers, you were a Telegraph person or a Times person, you know. Actually, again, the report shows that, you know, this worry about um, uh, about media echo chambers on social, I, I, I think it's still something to be aware of. But the data in this report shows that people who access social media, for, uh, use, use social media for accessing news, actually have access to a bigger variety of news content sources than those that don't. So I, I think it's a question of people wanting to have trusted brands, but they want quite a lot of them. There's also your opportunity, as you say, to follow the variety of news sources, news outlets, to get that mix of opinion, um, a mix of views. I think once you've made your decisions, then you need to be, depending on the kind of person you are, you will either go back and review that or you'll have set up the BBC, CNBC, New York Times, Guardian, HuffPo, whatever to follow because you want to use that platform as a news aggregator or not. Um, but there is a chance that if you do just follow the Telegraph then you're just going to continue to get that same experience as if you just bought that drop through your letterbox onto your doormat 25 years ago. So it's down to the way people, individuals consume media and I don't think in reality that's changed massively over, you know, even the last 30 years. Now, one of the things that surprised me coming out of this report is this whole growth around the messaging platform. So uh, WhatsApp, Snapchat, all those sorts of things, they're now becoming really big platforms for news dissemination. So why are they becoming popular now for the consumption of news? It's really interesting because, you know, you sort of think, how are people using them yeah. for news? You know, it's very personal, it's totally encrypted, it's closed. Um, but I think um, a lot of the data uh, and feedback was that people are wanting this more private uh, me messaging. It allows people to share views without fears of being massively criticised or being trolled. And certainly, um, you know, in some countries where sharing politically sensitive uh, you know news and information you know is a is a big no-no uh, mass messaging apps like whatsapp are absolutely perfect and it's really been it's a really big story this year 23% um, globally use a messaging app at least once a week for news there's uh, that's this is where people are coming into so filling the bottom of the social media funnel if you like and for social media chamber people are now using these because of those things that you're talking about. Jo. They want to have some privacy, they want to not be completely searchable, they want something to be able to be able to share things and know it's going to delete you know immediately as does on Snapchat and the media and the news channels have 
wanted to push their products and services, if you like, out to this audience because they're a key demographic that they want to try and engage with and bring into their their worlds and their views on them, give them their views on the world. So these are these are sort of tends to be younger people who are starting to reach out and communicate with people using their mobiles. And I think that the media guys have to be there, their news outlets have to be there to try and push out content and push out stories to them because those people are not on Twitter, they're not on Facebook. They're, they're, they see that as where their mums and dads spend their time and they don't want to be on the same platforms. Do you think it's the case that we'll see the style of news story start to change because of how it's been consumed? It already has um, and it continues to change all the time. You look at the BBC website these days. You just have to see. You know, I can. You know, only a couple of years ago, the format and the look and feel was so different. Um, everything is all about getting your story across in um, the first ten seconds, five seconds, three seconds, even. Um, and this is, you know, you can see how the social media platforms are playing it by how they're charging for a view on their video content, for but, example. But it's quite interesting that, almost as a counterpoint to that. One of the things that came out this year, we, we know there's been a massive trust, trust sort of collapse. Trust in our yeah. own trust barometer showed mm. that trust in the media had completely collapsed. Trust in news media, according to this study, is also, is also well down. But there's been some interesting moves towards quality and traditional media as a result. So in the US, for instance, there's something they're calling the Trump bump. <laughs> where there's been an absolutely massive um, uh, pickup in subscriptions um, and in tripling of donations to news websites and people taking off ad blockers specifically because they want to fund journalism. So I think we're at this sort of slightly interesting point yeah. where absolutely to travel around social media, you need to have that sort of snackable quick content yeah. that people really engage with. But at the same time, there is something going on absolutely. and a bit of a revert, reverting back potentially to some quality journalism by yeah. trusted gatekeepers, you know, something that you can really believe in and not have to actually open up and check oh, that story's five years old. Yeah. Someone's just shared yeah. it, but it's five years old. You know, and so is, interesting. To support that, there's a, there is a bit of a resurgence in longer form content and the growth of, the, of LinkedIn's um, articles and making that available to every LinkedIn user. I, mean, you know, I think it was a, maybe in a year or two ago now, but all of it, they are saying, we are a platform that provides trusted individual peer-to-peer -peer sources of information, background, Re, you know reassurance and they wanted to allow all of us to be able to share that in more than 140 characters and so now you can write basically a blog post with a couple of images in and put it out to to your followers on, on LinkedIn um, and it's, in, it's incredibly incredibly powerful to offer that in the right place and it comes down to from a brand and a marketing perspective just moving away from the news for a minute um, to be able to use the different platforms in a different way and and get your message out in the detail that the audience that is on those platforms would like to see it. There's one word that we talk about a lot here at Edelman, that is that word trust. <laughs> and I want to ask if, if news is less trustworthy in the in the di digital age, because the, the research says that, uh, that the news media is perceived as doing a better job at set separating facts from yeah. fiction than the, uh, social media. So, But the, the problem there is that the news media and social media are sort of melding into each other now, mm -hmm. isn't it? 
So how does how does that work itself out? Well, I think I don't know if it's about um, in a digital age. I mean, certainly there seems to be in this study um, a strong correlation between a lack of trust and perceived political bias or political polarization. So it's an issue in the U.S. Um, you know, this lack of trust in, in, in news media, but, but less so in other countries. But generally, yeah, I mean, we saw it, as I said before, in our trust barometer, that trust in the media um, ha has definitely fallen. And certainly, I think the, the data was that 24% of respondents globally think social media, only 24% think that social media do a good job of separating uh, fact from fiction compared to 40%. Um, for news media. I mean, as to the idea that, oh, they're all melding into one, again, I think we're at this kind of yes and no uh, uh, place because people that use social media often can't recall the brand. So in one sense, maybe yes, uh, and they've got an access access to an, to an awful lot and they're using aggregate, aggregators and sort of side doors are definitely a huge, uh, a huge way of accessing news. But... Direct access to news brands is still the single biggest um, way of accessing news. And also we've seen, as I said, you know, news, news apps and things like that are really making a comeback. We're going to discuss what that all means for brands and whether we should fear the likes of Amazon Echo sitting in our homes and telling us the news. Uh, but first, let's take a quick pause and have a listen back to what the last episode of Sideload sounded like. Otherwise, people have said we, we tend to uh, overhype in the short term, but yeah. underestimate in the long term yes. the impact of these technologies. And it kind of feels, you know, coming back to the, the original question around AI, I think we're somewhere there. Um, you know, AI actually is nothing new. As Tim pointed out, this is this is R and D technology harkening back to the fifties. You know, you go back to Turing. To to be honest, is probably one of the first proponents of this technology. It just happens to be that we are coming to a point where it's becoming very real um, and becoming increasingly powerful as we have a confluence of multiple technologies all stacking up at the same time. I do think we're probably in that phase of overhyping the short, but I would be cognizant of the fact that we're probably underestimating in the long term. So you're listening to Sideload, the technology podcast from Edelman, London. My, my name is Jermaine Dallas and I am joined by Joe Sheldon and James Mossman from Edelman as well. So I want to ask you as we continue this conversation about voice assistance, because that was a feature of the report as well, uh, voice assistants like uh, your Amazon Echo and the like. Uh, will they shape the future of news or is it just a fad? I'm not really a sort of device person, but bring it on is all I can say. I love the idea of voice activated um, devices. I mean, fantastically easy to use. None of that RSI in your fingers tapping away on, on, your, on your iPhone. So yeah, and it certainly, that's a story this year. Um, I mean, it's still quite small, but they're looking at the USA, the UK and Germany. Um, four percent now using in the US uh, um, some sort of voice activated device whereas that's compares to three percent using a smartwatch and you know they haven't been around for long and hmm. it's certainly I, I think uh, for the author Nick Newman uh, who authored this report it's one of his big watch outs for next year is that what he thinks voice is going to be huge so as I say yes please is there a future in voice James 
Absolutely. Um, I can't wait either, Joe, until all of this happens and I can lose my keyboard and I can trust what I talk to my computer and dictate emails, it sounds like, you know, etc. But um, I think we have to remember what these devices are. They are a device that detects a command from you as the individual and then it goes off and searches the internet. Um, and um, we, know, we know that search inherently has been narrowing our field of uh, a field of awareness, if you like, that uh, um, you are sort of programmed, programmed subliminally to go on to Google or go on to Bing and type in particular phrases that you think will pull up what you want to find. But the way we say things is often different to the way we type things. Mm. And so I think that this will make it easier and quicker to get, on one hand, it will make it easier and quicker to get at the, the, the news and information that we want. Um, and it depends on what people want to ask it. Hey, hey, Echo, um, play me the Today programme from this morning. Great, go and do that. And then you get quality journalism, quality debate, straight there, piped straight into your kitchen, living room, wherever. If you say, um, I'm going to say, hey, Siri, aren't I? Because I've got an iPhone and I'm asking it to do more and more for me. Uh, hey, Siri. Um, what happened, what was the root cause of the Grenfell disaster, you're giving it a much more kind of specific uh, ask and it's going to use your search history, um, where you go, what your favourites, what bookmarks you've got and all of these different things that it's picked up, Google etc have picked up about you and then it will serve you what some of those publications think was the root cause of the Grenfell disaster which might not quite be actual spot on I would too it's too soon to say what that might be but there's a lot of speculation out there and so and then that could sway you so sway what you think actually happened and be different from what actually really did happen so we just need to remember these are just the devices that you interact with and it's a different way of asking for information um, and behind it are the tools that we've been using for a while um, you're just going to end up interacting with them differently but voice is absolutely going to kill it, I think. You know, you add this into, we've been talking to our cars for years, and then it's been taking us down the wrong road, probably, because <laughs> the, the, the nav system's going to put you down the, that cul-de-sac. But yeah, it's all getting much better, much more streamlined, um, and much, much easier to recognize. We all speak differently, etc. I think this is huge, but behind it, be cautious because the kind of the way it searches for it is based on those algorithms in many cases so who are you asking for it who are you asking for it for that information and then what does it already know about you and what does it think that you want to hear yeah well I was, I was going to say are we looking at this through slightly rose-tinted glasses um, there are a lot of people who will think that this is a bit creepy having this voice listening all the time or a bit gimmicky it, are all those fears going to stave off the, the the growth of these devices? Do you think we we we're humans? This is how we communicate. So having something that actually you can interact with in the way that you, as a human being, interact. We we are, we we can type, but we've learnt that. You know, you know, uh, we all talk to each other all but the Alexa's time. But Alexa's not a human being. She's a machine. It's creepy, isn't it? But you just have to remember that. You know. Um, we've all been fascinated by these films for years and years and years as well. You know, what's going to happen, Minority Report, iRobot, you, know, you name it. It's the, this whole science fiction thing is starting to come, come alive um, and, and into your living room. But it is under your control. There's a power switch, there's a, there's a, 
that you can turn it off. I don't know if I'm wholly convinced yet, but we'll anyway. <laughs> so we'll, let's we'll, we'll get you there, Jimmy. We'll get you. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about the the brands then. We've spoken a lot about the media, but the, the brands are, are our clients. So, what what should the brands do in light of all this that is spoken about in the report? Should they continue to include the traditional media in their comm strategies, or should they go alone and make use of the growing number of digital channels to to make their own content? I think they've got to do both because. Yeah, yeah. You know, traditional media is still huge. I mean, TV, for example, is still a massively, um, a, a massive way that people access certainly news, you know, particularly with an older audience. But again, it comes down to your audience. Um, you know, who is your audience and where are they? And that's why, that's why this sort of data is really important. And that's why insights are so important. It's not a question of, you know, you know, licking your finger and sort of waving it in the air and saying, hey, yeah, let's do something in the FT. You know, you've really got to understand the campaigns, the stories that you're working on, the audience that they uh, are targeted at and go for that and then create the content uh, on the platforms in the way that those kind of people want to want to want to consume them. But certainly I would not be ignoring traditional media by any means, it's absolutely part of the mix. It might not be accessed via a print version anymore, but it's still accessed very much so online. And, uh, you know, as I say, I think there's some hope for journalism from this year's report, um, you know, in this kind of Trump bump and, uh, um, you know, the fact that people are looking like, particularly younger people, interestingly, looking like they are actually willing to pay for news and interestingly you know we were talking about hey why you know younger people we thought they were the never we we could never reach them audience but they're the sort of Spotify generation they're the ones who actually are used to having to pay a bit for content Mm. Um, and so actually in this Trump bump that they've seen in the US it was particularly um, it was particularly interesting that a lot of it was driven by a younger audience a younger demographic um, which was, I think, a surprise to uh, a lot of people. You, you, it, you, you guys, clients do this, do this yeah. balance every day, don't you? Yes, absolutely. What, what is key is what the story is, and there's got to be a story that's relevant to those news media. And then the, as the news me, news media environment becomes more competitive, um, becomes more, um, you know, we're losing publications. Those ones that are good, you know, tend to be staying and and um, getting stronger and sort of diversifying into supporting brands and, uh, and, and you know, and, uh, in, a, in a variety of different ways, helping them create content, etc. Um, but I think that you've got to have a story that's going to resonate. And as a communications um, professional, your view is, right, to what, what you were saying, Joe, understand the audience. And if your audience is the media, is this actually going to be something that they are going to want to write about because their audience is going to be really interested or is actually going to subscribe every month for this to to find out more about this so um, that's the key thing first of all but also if you are creating stories and um, telling stories out to the media about what you're doing how you're doing it how you're helping um, businesses over here or people over there do do the things that they need to do um, depending on what your business, your brand does and stands for, then that's incredibly valuable content in its own right. And it may be long form um, to start with, 
but why shouldn't it be in smaller pieces? Um, why shouldn't it be built out beautifully on the website? Why shouldn't it then you know, use your own social media channels to push people through to read that? Um, and use these channels in an intelligent way through all of the targeting options they have. Yes, you may have to spend a few hundred pounds or a few thousand pounds to reach those people, um, but you'll know you're targeting the right people and you'll be able to track it all and understand how they're engaging with it and see how valuable it was in the first place to actually tell that story to create that content in the first place. So don't think that writing a press release or, a, or a, um, an article to place in the media is the be all and end all. Um, start with that, but how else can we use it? How else can we actually use that to start telling that story across multiple channels, owned um, and paid, as well as earned? It's the Edelman cloverleaf. What does that mean? <laughs> well, you know, it is that, you know, great stories, but social by design. So, yes, you could have a fantastic print piece, but what are the elements of that? Just as you said, that you can break up uh, and, and use on the right kind of social media channels with the right kind of content that gets it to mm. you know, travel around all of the kind of platforms that you now need to be on these days. So I, I imagine a lot of the things that came out of the report were, would be of interest to the media who have been operating for a long time and realising I have to suddenly change things. Oh, well, not suddenly, it's, it's, it's been a gradual thing. But what should the media do to stay relevant in 2017 and beyond? I think they're doing a ton of stuff. I mean, you know, there's um, the most extraordinary things that they're trying. And obviously it's still difficult, a really difficult environment for media brands. But as I say, it's not all doom and gloom. There are sort of flickers of hope. You know, people, subscriptions have gone up. You know, people are beginning to feel that they should pay for content. Subscriptions have gone up? Yeah, well, the, this Trump bump I was telling you about, certainly in the US they've gone up by, by uh, quite a bit. Now, whether that is you know, is a, is a long-term trend, um, I, I couldn't say, but there are certainly some glimmers of hope. And news brands, some of them are, are doing all of this stuff, you know, they're on Snapchat Discover, they are, are creating they are some fantastic of the best email at making the use of these channels, yeah. and we can learn a lot from watching what they do and what they try and how they try and make the most of what Facebook, well, Instagram, etc., allows them to you to and, do. And certainly, if you're doing um, campaigns with clients, and if mm. it's relevant, looking for a news brand to partner with, that is the most active um, because they're helping you um, get that story yeah. out to on other channels and to an even wider audience. And it does seem a little bit um, uh, coming back to the same news outlet, but the BBC have always been excellent in my opinion, out of embracing these new channels, these new things. Their um, Instagram, it used to be only 15 seconds you could have video, but their 15 second news posts, video news posts in Instagram were, were, were brilliant. It was perfect uh, 15 second video advertising. It was succinct, it was short, the copy supported the visuals everything worked really really well and they, that was like whoa okay we need to now learn, learn from this and, um, and and get our clients doing similar it's not quite the same now that they've got a whole minute to play with and it's not they, you know, I think they should have stuck to their 15 minute form 15 seconds sorry format but but uh, yeah we can learn a lot from from them and how they're using these channels the $64,000 question though can the news media still make money and if so how because it's if you look at it, it's a, it's a difficult marketplace, isn't it? If you look, the we're 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 blocking ads now. Newspaper sales are shrinking, and few people want to pay for news online. We can't so. mention the BBC now, Joan. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I, again, you know, the, yeah, they're, they're really finding it tough. They're really finding it tough. Um, and there's plenty of evidence to show that newspapers are closing. I mean, local, lo local newspapers have been closing. You know, and it's actually, I think, being an ex-journalist, I think it's a worry because I don't think people, the community, is being served in the way that it really should be served without these, uh, without these channels. Um, but as I say, it's not all doom and gloom. You know, yes, ad blocking, but it's stalled this year. Ad blocking has stalled, which is great. And a lot of the reason why people are, are even lifting it temporarily is, as I say, to fund journalism. They've actively said that. You know, that news brands like the New York Times are actually asking people, say, if you want our content for free, you've got to lift up, you know, uh, get get your ad blocker off. And they People will. weren't making the connection before. They were just saying, I want to block these ads, they're annoying. Yeah, and now they're making the connection because they've been told to, but they are making the connection. Now, again, I don't know. I don't have a... Um, I'm not a media brand owner, uh, so I don't have to look into that particular uh, crystal ball, but... There are some glimmers of hope. It's difficult. I don't have an answer. I don't have a $64,000 answer. Response. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, those that continue to see the opportunity in telling their stories and getting their content out across a wide variety of platforms. I mean, the mail, I think, has only really... You know, it's it's its app that was the number one app. It's the it's just gone bonkers, and that is driving huge amounts of traffic. Whatever you think or don't think about the site, about the content and the stories they say and their position in the world, they've really made a success of adopting new channels um, and the digital um, and the digital world, and that's allowed them to offer slightly different forms of advertising, slightly different forms of um, you know revenue. Um, coming in across a variety of different platforms that can only we know they, they'll have to think on their feet what's next and how do mm. we make how do we make the jump now because people will only I think we as individuals will only make the most of these certain platforms and technology for a certain number of years and then we'll move on um, so it's going to be challenging and I think as long as they are looking as we continue to do looking at what the digital platforms have on offer and both paid for and free and how they're reaching and how they're targeting different audiences of all shapes and sizes then they can they can offer easy access to their content and then it's how they offer the additional levels of deeper um, reporting deeper insight on top of that that maybe that's where they can focus on um, selling in you know you have a you subscribe and you have ten pounds in your credit bank, but every time you want to read a long, a longer in-depth article from the FT, you you lose twenty-five p or whatever it is, and it docks. I don't know, and you recharge it. It's purely finger in, you know, pull that out of thin air. But uh, uh, we're we're definitely going to see some different revenue models coming. I think over the next five years or so. Well, James, Joe, thank you so much for your time, both of you. That's been really interesting. I think it's about time we got back to our desks and did some work now. Um, but um, thank you for listening to Sideload, and we will see you next time for another episode. <laughs>